He's in the room. His presence is conspicuous. He's here. Whatever you need, he's here. He's in our midst. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'm going to just throw up those hands and just, just tell him, I believe. I believe you, God. I believe. I believe. I believe. I want you to grab the hand of somebody that you're standing next to and just speak a quick prayer. Just say, Lord, touch them, Lord. Deliver them, Lord, heal. Make all things well. Move in the midst, Lord. Up and down every aisle, every row. Let your glory be revealed. Your kingdom manifest here in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your word. And the entrance into it gives us light. Thank you, Father, for meeting every need. Not one person leaves with unmet needs. Thank you for provision today. And we bless you and we praise you and we give you the glory. Hallelujah. Let go of that hand and just give them a wonderful praise, a wonderful praise, a high praise, a high praise. Please remain standing, please. And, and uh, how about it? Let's, let's really appreciate these incredible singers and musicians who have served today. Thank you. Um, when, when you sing that good, you make a preacher's um, job um, or task easy on one hand, difficult on the other. Easy in the sense of you set the atmosphere difficult and it's hard to follow you with that. I'm about ready to go home now. That was amazing. Let's truly appreciate him once more. Thank you. Smooth, y'all. Eight of you sound like a mass choir. Wonderful, your blended voices. Um, first and foremost, we honor Jesus Christ in the midst. I'm glad to be where he is. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I'm so happy to be here. So happy to be at West Angeles Church of God in Christ once again. Thank you for receiving me. I'm also so very happy to be in the presence of one of God's generals, um, a man that I have admired first from afar and then um, having had the opportunity to connect with, with him has changed my life completely. He is celebrating 50 years of pastoring this one congregation and he deserves to be celebrated. Come on, once more for Bishop Charles E. Blake. We love you, Bishop. So he has been an inspiration to me in so many ways. In fact, what, what we have going on in, in Rawway is, is a mirror in some way of what's going on here in Los Angeles. I've always appreciated his character, his walk, his integrity, his faith, um, his business acumen, his vision, his passion. Um, at, at, at his age and this stage, if he wanted to, he could just say, you know what, that's it. I'm going to just tour the world. I'm going on Club Med vacations everywhere. See y'all in glory. But he continues to serve. Would you just help me to 
Appreciate Bishop one more time. That's it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I know, I know this is a big space, and I know this as well, that you all slept late. Um, you slept longer than the first service, okay? Um, so I'm, I'm going to give you just a little competition, a little healthy competition here. I want to see what section can shout the loudest, all right? So we've got these four sections on the floor, and we've got mezzanine, all right? You're included as well. So let me hear this section. Let me hear you. Come on, for Bishop Blake, let's appreciate it. I ain't mad with you. That's actually pretty good. I think you can do it better. How about this section? Let's appreciate give y'all another chance. How about this section? Let me hear you. Come on, how about you over here? Let me hear you. Come on, mezzanine, let me hear you. Now let's synergize. Let's put all the sections together and let's praise the Lord once more for his, his man, his servant, Bishop Charles Blake. And come on for Lady Blake as well who stands beside him and serves with him. To all of the elders, to all of the ministers that serve here, to all of you, God's people, to Elder Charles Blake, to Elder Lawrence Blake, to all of you fine people of God, I commend you in the spirit. Continue to do what you do so well. The world is watching. Give them a good show. And uh, I don't want anybody to feel left out, so I want you to look at somebody, please, and just go to clapping in front of them. Just say, I thank God for you, too. God bless you. Thank God for you. Amen. And I know we did the hug thing and all that, but one more time before you take your seat, a high five, a handshake, a holy hug. Tell somebody I love you and ain't nothing you can do about it. Really mean that. Really mean that. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Um, I'm here today with... A, a dear brother uh, who serves faithfully at Agape in New Jersey. He leads our music ministry. He's executive director of our music ministry, Brother Lauren Dawson, right there on the Yamaha. Amen. He appreciate him. Appreciate him. And um, his uh, dear cousin was already giving a shout out. She told me she was coming. Thank you, Tanisha. Uh, Tanisha Deshina. <laughs> and and. You know, I said, I said, Lauren, she really gonna come? He said, yeah, she gonna come, she gonna come. So you did, thank you so much for being here. It's good to see you again. And uh, my friend, my friend, I want y'all to be real nice to him because he just moved here from the East Coast. Um, he's one of your newest CBS uh, correspondents, DeMarco Morgan. I don't know if they saw you, DeMarco, so stand up again, please, right over here. You're gonna see him, pray for him. He, he, he loves the Lord. He's originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'd like you to turn your attention with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. And I know I asked you to sit down, but would you mind standing again as we honor the word of the Lord? I know you can honor it being seated as well, but you need exercise. 1 Peter chapter 5, you got it? Share with a neighbor. If you see somebody near you without a Bible, share the word with them. How about it? Let me see. Uh, just want to do a little quick survey. How many of you have the, your Bible on mobile device? Let me see. Wave. Just look at, look at this. All the young people. All the young people. Now, the, now the other folk, um, let me see the old-fashioned Bible, the bonded leather. To look at it. All right. Now, see, y'all the real saved people. Do you know that, right? You can flip through. All right. All right. 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm going to read two verses for you. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 8, 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. 
Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Let the church say amen. amen. Look at verse 8 again. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I need you to help me with this. I need you to say it just like this. Look at somebody. Look in their eyes. Don't let them look up. Don't let them look on the floor. Look in their eyes. Point at them and say, Satan wants you dead. Come on, one more person before you take your seat. Tell them, Satan wants you dead. Go ahead. Take your seat. Go ahead and take your seat. Please, thank you. Um, it'll all make sense in a moment. I wanted to share with you what I prayerfully prepared, believing that God would have me to share this word with you. I'm on assignment. I'm, I'm here and certainly honored to have this audience, and, and I don't take it lightly. I prayerfully prepare myself in, in the word of the Lord so that I can give you what God would have us to hear, and, and, and that word will make a difference in our life. His word is transformational, as you know. This message, please hear me, it's for you. It's for you personally or individually, and it is for us corporately. It's for the corporate body of Christ. It's for West Angeles Church of God in Christ. It's for Agape Church in New Jersey. It's for the Church of Jesus Christ worldwide. Satan wants you dead. It's old news for some, but breaking news for others. Satan hates you, and he wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to wipe you off of the face of this earth. He wants to thwart the purposes of God in you. But hear me, consider this, that Satan hates you and wants you dead as a blessing. Look at somebody and say, Satan hates me and I love it. You need to get a new attitude about this thing. If Satan, if Satan doesn't want you dead, that means you're serving him. He wants to keep you alive. But if you are doing something that threatens the kingdom of darkness, if you're doing something that opposes his ways, if you're light in darkness and he hates you and he wants to destroy you. And so consider it a blessing that Satan hates you. Consider it an honor that he's out to get you. Satan hates you so much because God loves you so much. Come on, talk to yourself. Say, yeah, God loves me. God loves me. See, every time Satan looks at you, what he sees is the image and likeness of God. See, every now and again, you got to encourage yourself. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me address something in the house. Some folk have been told since they were children that, uh, well, you're ugly or you're, you're just, you know, so-so. And, and you've taken that lie and you've, you've personalized it and you've made it truth to you. But uh, what you need to do is see yourself in view of God and how he sees you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, talk to yourself. Say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, when I was a kid uh, growing up, uh, you know, I, I looked different. I, I've always, you know, looked different. And, and, and I guess now it's not 
It doesn't stand out perhaps as much as it did when I was growing up in the community of which I was raised. Uh, uh, I had people ask me the question all the time, well, what are you? Not who are you, but what are you? Are you black? Are you white? And I felt like I wasn't uh, dark enough to be completely accepted by uh, my, 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 the black population and, 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 and wasn't light enough to be fully accepted by the the, the, the Caucasian or the white uh, sector of the community. And I, I remember asking uh, my mom after I've been asked so many times, well, what are you? I'm like, what, are, what am I? And uh, she just kind of wanted to shut me down real quick. Oh, you're black and just kept on moving. But everybody else thought I was Puerto Rican or Dominican or, or white or this, that, and the other. And, and I used to be called names like Mellow Yellow. And I've, I've always been thin. So I used to be called Stick, Spaghetti, pencil. When people ran out of names to call me, they just would hold up their finger like this. I used to get criticized for having curly hair and uh, tried, to, tried to fix that one day. Bishop, I saw a commercial, how you can buy a relaxer and put it in your hair. I'm in junior high school and I saved up my money and I went to the pharmacy and I bought a relaxer. And I read the instructions and I put that relaxer in my hair trying to straighten this thing out. And, uh, well, I didn't do so well because it just didn't work for me. And the very next day, I remember it was raining outside, um, and my mom came to pick me up from school. And I got in the car, and the smell of that relaxer, it was like a sulfur smell, was, was still in my head. And my mother was like, what is that smell? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't smell anything. Did you put something in your hair and I had to confess up? I tried to change my situation. Now, you, it, it sounds humorous now, but I remember as a child and, and growing up with that, that I started to, to, to believe those things and, and it started to affect my, my self-esteem. And, and I wasn't always as confident as I believe God would have me to be. Uh, there's one thing that, that we need to grasp today, and that's how God sees us, how God views us. And, and we need to celebrate that. So, so no matter how, uh, uh, how you look, the, the complexion of your skin, God made you the way that it, you are. Amen. If he wanted you taller, you would have been taller. If he wanted you shorter, you would have been shorter. If he wanted you thinner, no, never mind. If he wanted you to have blue eyes, you'd have had blue eyes. If he wanted you to have brown eyes, then you got brown eyes. So thank God for how he created you, fearfully and wonderfully made you are. Come on, encourage somebody. Tell them I am somebody and so are you. And so every time Satan looks upon you, he sees God's handiwork. He sees the image and likeness of God. He sees your purpose. He sees your assignment. He sees the quality of, of God's perfection in you. And every time he looks at you, it reminds him of God. And therefore, he hates it and he hates you. Furthermore, Satan hates you because you got the nerve to be a praiser and a worshiper of God. That's why he hates you. Because you use your energies, you use your, uh, your breath to bless the Lord, you use your hands to clap, you use your feet to dance, you honor him, you glorify God, and Satan hates that because he was in a place once where he was given to the worship of God until he was cast out of heaven. So now, because you got his job, he hates you. And so I just feel like this, listen, since you're already a hater, let me make you an even greater hater. I haven't even begun to praise God and to worship God like I'm going to praise him and worship him even more in the days to come. Amen. 
And so Satan will use sometimes his imps or his people who will try to tell you, well, it don't take all of that. You're a bit fanatical. You don't need to do that. Come on, you've been educated. You're dressed up. You don't need to praise God like that. You don't need to sweat. The devil is a liar. The fact of the matter is, if you got the degrees, it's God that gave you the degrees in the first place. And that's the reason to praise God. And for all that God has done for you and I, we shouldn't have to wait for anybody to suggest a praise. We should come praising. Sunday morning, Wednesday evening, whatever day. In fact, at all times, we should praise and magnify the name of the Lord. Whether you're in the church house, in your house, in the neighborhood, in the marketplace, in the hospital, on your job, wherever, his name is to be praised. Hello, somebody. Can I get somebody just to shout a praise to him right now? Come on, let's make the devil mad as we make the father glad. That said, Satan really wants to silence you. He wants to destroy you. And so as I began to consider my, my own experience and, and remember even as a child growing up, and believe it or not, this is going to be hard for some of you to believe um, because those of you who know me, you know my temperament, this is going to be very, very difficult for you very, very difficult, so just hold on. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to share this with you from the depths of my heart. I'm going to show you a part of me, perhaps, that's going to be difficult for you to believe. Back in the day, I used to get in trouble at school. I used to, I, I used to talk back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got suspended a couple of times. <laughs> One time in fourth grade, Miss Kaiser had had enough. She said, get out of my classroom and go to the office. And Bishop, I've already asked God to forgive me, but I wasn't raised in a cussing home. But when I left Miss Kaiser's office on my way to the principal's office, I said every curse word I could think of. I just said, oh, no, 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 because I hadn't been speaking in tongues yet. And I got right outside of Mr. Wargo's office, and I said, oh, my God, my mama's going to kill me for getting in trouble. And then on top of that, I'm going to hell for cursing. Lord, please forgive me. But I thank God, as the songwriter said, he looked beyond my faults and saw all my needs, saw somebody who needed his amazing grace. And he fixed me. He changed me. He qualified the unqualified. And I'm, I'm so grateful to be in his kingdom. I'm so grateful to be a part of, part of, the, part of the church. I'm, I'm so grateful to have uh, this pleasure and honor of being an oracle of God. And I remember being in school and getting in trouble and, 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 and thinking that everybody was picking on me. And, and I used to say to my mom when she would scold me, they're, they're just picking on me. Nobody likes me. They hate me. Um, but she didn't take my excuse. And she had, that, uh, she had that old school philosophy. I know there's this new school thing going on right now where, you know, the, the kids get time out. <laughs> time out, what is that? <laughs> Parents were taking time out just so they can catch a breath and beat you some more. <laughs> but she figured, listen, I'm, gonna, I, 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 I'm going to raise you in the fear and admonition of the Lord because God's got his hand on you. God's got... A purpose for you and so what seemed to me like everybody was picking on me was somewhat was was me but then some was again people and the haters and the naysayers etc and so since I've been saved now and I've been walking with the Lord and since I've been leading I've discovered that wow 
this whole ideal of you receive Jesus Christ and everything is just going to be smooth sailing, that uh, you'll never encounter a problem, that when the giants show up, uh, it, you know, it's, it's don't, don't even, don't even um, just believe that they're there, deny it. Oh, you're not really there, giant. But how many of you know that in this world you will suffer persecution? And Jesus said in John 16 and 33, in this world you will have tribulation. You can confess it away all you want, but you're not going to confess what Jesus said away. He said, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've already overcome them. I looked up the word tribulation, and it means to distress. It means to squeeze. It, 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 it means to, to apply a pressure. It, it, it is the word that describes the process that the grape and the olive goes through in order to extract its virtue. In order to get the juice, the grapes got to go through the process. In order to get the oil, the olives got to go through the process. And you say you want God to use you. Well, there's going to be a process in your development. You want to be anointed? Well, there's, there, there's not just the cinnamon. There's the myrrh. There's the bitter experiences of life that God will use to make you. And I began to wonder, well, why in the world does it seem like Satan is working overtime in coming after me and trying to destroy me? And I felt like it wasn't just for me, it was for you as well. I want to help bring some sense to what you're going through right now. There's a number of reasons why you are attractive to the enemy. If you allow me a few minutes, I'll just share those things. I'll be out of your way before 4 o'clock, I promise you. <laughs> there are a number of reasons why Satan is after you. And the first I want to share with you is this, the treasure inside of you. It's the treasure inside of you. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Satan is after what you possess. He's after the treasure that's in your earthen vessel. Uh, one thing I have learned, and you don't need a PhD to know, know this, that thieves don't try to steal from broke people. They go after folk who have things. The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I am come that you might have life and that more abundantly. The enemy is simply interested in you because you have something of value. You've got something worth stealing. You're an earthen vessel, but you carry a treasure on the inside. You may be a clay pot. You may be frail, vulnerable, broken, and as you would think, inadequate. But you have something of significance inside of you that is precious and priceless, and that's what Satan is after. He's after the treasure that's on the inside of you. The Greek word for treasure there is the word from which we get our English word th uh, th uh, thesaurus. And uh, this expression really means that there's something inside of you so great, so vast, so immense that it can never be extended, uh, expended. Satan knows that if he doesn't get what's inside of you, you're going to share what's inside of you and he's going to lose more people to his kingdom. He's going to lose them to the kingdom of God. 
So he's after you to try to destroy you because of this treasure that's on the inside of you. So possess your treasure in honor. Don't let the enemy tamper with what God has given to you, for he gives you to will and to do of his good pleasure and has graced you for such a time as this. Second reason Satan is after you. Look at somebody and say, godly living. Satan is after you because of your walk of godliness. In the scripture, 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 and 12, it says, 10 through 12, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, and afflictions. Verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Please understand, godly living is a nuisance to Satan. When you say, for God I'll live and for God I die, and you mean it, and you walk in it, it drives Satan crazy. Now, on the other hand, nominal, casual Christianity avoids persecution. Satan is not interested in you if you are just a Sunday-only, church-going Christian. What the world needs today, as I shared in the 8 a.m., is authentic Christians, people who are genuine. I didn't say perfect because none of us are perfect. All of us are perfectly imperfect at best. But what the world needs is to look upon true believers, true disciples, folk who have been with God, folk who have encountered him and have experienced a change having been with him, whose old things have passed away and all things are become new. So that when they see you, they see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they see you, they see his glory upon your face. They need the real deal. They need authentic and radical Christians. Everybody's coming out the closet today. Why is it that the church is trying to hide? You got folk of other religions, they don't care where they are, they will drop to their knees at certain times of day and they will pray unashamedly. But here, we're trying to be politically correct. We're trying to be, uh, uh, we're trying to be sensitive to everybody else. These folk are not trying to be sensitive to us. And if anybody ought to be bold in faith, it ought to be the people of God. We say we serve Jesus who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We are the unashamed, authentic believers in the midst. Let me hear you make some noise if that's you. There's a gentleman named Vance Havner, and he says, we're not going to move this world by criticism of it, nor conformity to it, but by the com combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. What we need today is not just educated folk, and I'm grateful for education, but what we need are folk who have been with God. They might split the verbs, may not be able to, to, to speak good English, but when you connect with them, you know that they have been with, the, been with the Lord and that they're real deal Christians. And so, my brothers and sisters, live your life as unto the Lord. Wherever he has you, you be who he has created you to be, no matter what platform, no matter what sphere of human uh, uh, existence, where you are. Remember, your calling is to be light in darkness and to be the salt of the earth. And with that and connected to that is here another reason why Satan wants you dead. That is your appointment and your anointment. Say it with me, my appointment and my anointment. 
You know, anointment is a real word. I actually looked it up and found it in the dictionary. It's a real word. But you can think of it this way, your assignment, your appointment, and your anointing. That's what Satan is after. He knows the, the anointing of God and the appointing upon your life and what it will do. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, Paul says, To which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have com committed to him even against that day. Your appointment and your anointment or your anointing will attract demonic attack. You know the anointing of God is specific to, even to your assignment or to your calling. Now, there are a lot of folk who choose ministry as profession, haven't even been with God, but they choose it as profession. There are a lot of folk that can sing, even sing greater than these amazing singers, but they lack what these amazing singers have, and that is the anointing. I'd rather have the anointing of God than any degrees or, or any skill set. I'd rather have an anointed singer sing rather th than one who's not because when that anointed singer sings, when that anointed uh, preacher preach, when that anointed usher serves, there's something about the anointing upon a vessel, upon a believer. The anointing removes burdens and the anointing destroys yokes. I believe West Angeles, as I believe for agape in the body of Christ worldwide, that the anointing is not just to reside in the pastor or the bishop or the evangelist or the, or the prophet or the, or the teacher pastor, but it's for everybody. The anointing is for the usher. The anointing is for the deacon. The anointing is for those who serve as greeters. Think about it. If the greeters are anointed before ever the people get into the sanctuary, they have encountered the anointing of God. They can be healed and delivered in the narthex. Hello, somebody. Anybody believe that? Tell somebody you need the anointing. Well, I come from classical Pentecost, Pentecostal holiness church, church of God in Christ. Rawway, New Jersey, before we had the lights, before we had the instruments that we have and enjoy today, before we had carpet, when we didn't have all of the fanfare, we had a washboard that people would play with a, a, a hanger. Uh, we had folk to play on the drums and the piano. We had folk to, everybody brought a tambourine, it seemed like. We didn't know the Hebrew, we didn't know the Greek, but we knew God. And when those folk began to praise and magnify God, I remember a brother had a heart attack in the service, fell to the ground. And before 911 was called, the 911 at the church got around that man and they began to pray until he got up and lived many more years. Well, I'm told even before then, before I came on the scene, they tell me Mother Parks died in the service, dropped dead in the service. But the mothers got around Mother Park, called her back from death, and she came back and lived. I believe he's still that same God today. How about you? But where we're missing it sometimes is we've got the skill, we've got the fanfare, we've got the look, but we don't have the anointing. What we need is an anointing to go with our assignment. And it's that anointing that will drive Satan crazy and set people free. Tell somebody again, you need the anointing. That's why Satan is after you. It's really not your good looks. 
It's not your smart self. It's that anointing. And that anointing truly makes a difference. I'm here today because of the anointing of God. What you see here today is somebody knowing me, knowing somebody who's shy typically, doesn't like to be in front of crowds, is fine with being in the background serving. But when God says, I want you to do such and such, then you got to do it. How am I going to do it, God? You got to do it like I said you're going to do it. Every time I get up before people, I'm, I'm, I'm challenged sometimes. I'm a little nervous when I'm in an in a unfamiliar surrounding or a place that I'm not at always. Uh, but then it's like God just, just, just steps in and, 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 and he adds the extra uh, to the ordinary. And, and, and he puts the super to the natural. And, and he, he takes me and he uses me and I'm amazed by his grace. I know I'm not talking to, 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 to strangers here of the anointing. You know the anointing and how that it makes a difference. We got folk that know how to preach and could preach the paint off the walls. They're good orators, but they lack the anointing. Give me the man or the woman of God who has been with God, who has been in his word. They may not have an MDiv or a D men, but they've been with God so that when they open their mouth, people come to be saved. When they lay hands on the sick, the sick are healed and recovered. We need the anointing of God. Come on, if you want a fresh anointing today, just say, Lord, touch me again. A fresh anointing. And furthermore, with this appointment and with this anointing, is here is yet another reason why Satan is after you, why he wants you dead. It's because of your influence and your impact. Your influence and your impact. Say influence and impact. Paul in Acts chapter 17 is rehearsing his story, his experience before King Agrippa. And he's talking about, um, well, he's sharing rather his story. And elsewhere with King Agrippa, he shares the same thing about how that, that uh, people rose up against him when at first he was a persecutor of the church. But then he had his encounter with God. And here in chapter 17, he talks about the, the Jews who were not persuaded. They became envious and they took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob against me. They set all the city in an uproar. They attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. They had this thought in mind as they cried out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. What are people saying about you today? We should be always a church that truly matters. We should be a people that make a difference. That when you walk into the room, into darkness, the place lights up. When you go into your, 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 your place of employment. Every time you walk in, maybe there's a heaviness and then there's oppression there, but when you walk in, things should lift in the atmosphere. When people see you coming, they should recognize, here comes peace, here comes grace, here comes goodness. Here, these will be the same folk that might criticize you on one day, but they'll be coming to you asking you for prayer on the next day because they know that you are influential and you have great impact. Bishop, I know that, that the enemy has been after you all of these years and after this church because of the influence and the impact that you had that you're making, not just here in Los Angeles, but in the state of California, the nation, and even around the world. Radical Christians make a radical difference in the world. 
organized Christianity often fails to make a disturbance uh, uh, in, in any setting. But those who are radical, those who are truly on fire for God, those who are called of God and who are doing what God has called them to do are influential. They make an impact so that when they walk in the room, the fragrance of life is observed. They are not afraid of anything. They can handle anything that comes their way. They are men of, and women of God. They're children of God who stand forth in confidence and display the glory of God in influence and impact. Number five, another reason Satan wants to kill you is because of these huge doors of opportunity that are getting ready to open up for you. That's why he wants you dead. He don't want you to walk through this. He don't want you to experience this. He's afraid of your prosperity. 1 Corinthians 16 and 9 lets us know that a great, Paul says, a, a, a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And you know, I learned a while ago, and, and I thank God for the ministry of the prophet, but I got to discovering something that every, every time I got a prophetic word, it was like all Hades broke loose. And then I discovered in Scripture, it says, after you were enlightened, you endured such great tribulation or great persecution. So before you run up in the prophet's line, you better count the cost first. When you get that, oh, how I see you're blessed. Oh, I see you're, you're, you're prosperous. You take it and receive it as truth. But don't be surprised when you experience the challenge of your prophetic word. And that's where you got to do, like Paul told Timothy, war with your prophecy. When God has given you something, you stand on it and you believe God anyhow. And so expect huge doors of opportunity. Satan knows if you go through those doors, you will be influential. You will make an impact. So he wants to try to shut the doors. But aren't you glad that God opens doors no man can shut? And then God will shut doors that no man can open. I'm almost finished. Listen, here's another reason Satan is after you. It's because of your faith and your future. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that you, your faith should not fail. And when you have returned or when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. He says, Satan has asked for you. In fact, the, the, the language is he's demanded you that he may sift you. And I, that word sift means to agitate. Anybody ever feel agitated maybe somebody's agitating you maybe you can't even say amen because they're sitting right next to you but just so I know we can connect just 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 roll your eyes or do something at me give me a signal let me not okay I got you I got you all right so Satan Satan wants to agitate you he wants to irritate you he wants to disturb you because he knows that you're he, he's really after your faith. He knows that your faith in God will cause mountains to move. He knows that your faith in God will bring the glorious heaven here on earth. And he knows that you got a future. He knows that when you get through what it is that you're dealing with right now, that you're going to use your misery and make it your ministry. He knows that you're not going to waste your trials, that God's going to use you in the future like you've never, ever been used before. In fact, I see that. I prophesied over you in Jesus' name like never before. Even the remainder of this year on into 2020, get ready for supernatural encounters of God and with people that God's going to use you in the marketplace God's going to use you on the streets God's going to use you everywhere you are everywhere you may be to this sister over here that shared with me bringing a brother you met on the train to church and he came to receive Jesus Christ today God's going to use you today that's why Satan is after you he wants your faith he wants your future he wants your faith to be shipwrecked but don't you let him have it 
And then number seven, Satan's after you because of your revelations, because of your insights. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 7, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to strike me, blow after blow, left I be exalted above measure. So Satan sends this thorn in the flesh. It sticks you, it pricks you, it's painful, it hurts you. It has all to do with the revelation, the revelation you've received, but furthermore, the revelation you're getting ready to receive. And Satan knows that you're not a stingy believer so that you're going to take the revelation and you're going to share it with others. And so he says, I must shut them down. I must stop them. And Paul, we find, went to the Lord about this. He said, I prayed about it three times, but this thing continued. But God spoke and answered the prayer. God may not always answer the prayer like you want him to answer the prayer, but God, when you call upon him, he'll answer you. And God says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And so what he's saying to us is to seize the opportunity, count it as a blessing, see it as a pleasure that you would be tempted and tried for the sake of Jesus Christ, that God can trust you where you are with the revelation that you have and the grace that's been given. And then you got to see that there's always an expiration date to every trial and every temptation. Where you may be right now is where you are for a time, but this too shall pass. Would you encourage somebody near you, please, and tell them this too shall pass? Well, I wanted to encourage you today to help you make some sense uh, out of what you're going through. The tormentor has come. The thief has come. The destroyer has come because he wants to kill you. He wants you dead. What is a believer to do? Paul makes it, or Peter makes it very clear, be sober and be vigilant. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Saints, you can't be a friend with the enemy. You can't sleep with the enemy and then resist the enemy at the same time. You got to put your foot down. You got to let him know that, listen, for God I'll live and for God I'll die. You got to go old school with him. You got to let him know that I'm running this race for Jesus. Ain't no turning back. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You got to seize these wonderful opportunities for the glory of God. You got to let others who are looking at you see your walk. See what it's like to walk with character and integrity and with steadfastness. You got to have sobriety of mind. The scripture says in this hour, we should redeem the time. That we're not to be drunk with wine wherein is excess. But we should seize every opportunity. We should redeem the times because the days are evil. Furthermore, Paul said, be filled with the spirit of God. In the Greek, the expression is not a one-time only filling, but it means a continuous filling, a continuous flow. Would you look at somebody and tell them, be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't, don't, don't be engaged with the affairs of this life. Uh, you got to be about your father's business. And, and know this, that when you're about your father's business, the enemy's going to try to shut you down. But I learned a long time ago, if God be for me, who can be against me? They may come at you one way, but they'll flee seven ways. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. 
and every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. It's time for you to get up and get back at the work of the Lord. You let somebody discourage you. You let the devil trick you. You let him deceive you into believing that you can't make it, that you are nothing against him. Let me remind you of what the word of God says. I need some help here today. Look at your neighbor and say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm thinking about the goodness of God and the grace that he gives us to withstand every attack of the enemy. You know I'm telling the truth. You've been there before. You may be there right now. I want you to stand bold in faith. Your confidence in Christ. If he's delivered you in the past, he'll deliver you today. I told the 8 a.m. in the day of trouble, you're going to call on the Lord. And the promise of the Father is, when you call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you. Would you look at your neighbor and say, God said, I will deliver you. Well, he's not a man that he should lie. Whatever he promised, he's going to do it. And whenever God says, I will do a thing, it means it's already done. Tell your neighbor it's already done. Oh, they didn't hear you. Tell somebody else it's already done. Stretch your neck backwards. Say it's already done. Well, since it's already done, Psalm 50 and 15 says that you're going to call on the Lord in the day of trouble. God is going to deliver you and you will glorify me. God said, I'm going to deliver you and you're going to glorify me. Well, if the deliverance is done, if the healing is done, if the breakthrough is done, then we're supposed to be glorifying him, praising him like it's done. I want you to get somebody by the hand. Shake them a little bit. Say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I'm my God, my God. I want to encourage you today. You're going to live and not die and declare the wonderful works of the Lord. Somebody in this section, you've been tormented by the enemy, making you think you're going to die early. But I defy the lie of the enemy and I speak life in Jesus' name. I need you to command somebody near you. Say, I command you to live and not die. Don't let the devil cheat you out of your blessing. Don't let the devil shut your mouth. Don't let the devil make you get in a corner somewhere. You gotta be about your father's business. You got something of value that the world is waiting on. All of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. I'm a witness today that Satan may come against you, but God will rise up on the inside of you and give you the power to stand. Look at somebody one more time, please, and tell them, stand. Stand.
stand. Tell them above all, stand. I want everybody to jump up on your feet, please. Stand. 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 Help me and let's release it in the atmosphere. Stand. We'll not back down. We'll not bow down. Stand in the church house. Stand in the White House. Stand in the city, on the city streets. Stand, stand, stand. Arise and shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. You got something of value. You've got an anointing that when you pray for people, when you sing, when you lay hands on the sick, people are changed, people are delivered. So Satan says, let me discourage you. Let me let somebody make fun of you. Let me let somebody hurt you and then get you to quit on God. But no saints like never before, keep it moving. Work the works of the Lord while it is day. For when night comes, no man can work. My time is up. Everybody standing, please, if you're not already standing, join me standing all over the room. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We'll, we'll share some more this evening. I'm looking forward to it. Couple of quick things, couple of quick things, couple of quick things. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm not colorblind, but just the, the lighting, but you're looking right at me, dear. It's like a, I don't know if it's a pink or like a fuchsia. You're going like this. Can you just lift up your hands? You're looking right at me, right there. I'm pointing at you. Yes. Lift up both of your hands, dear. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you around you, extend your hands this way toward this. You're God's child. His eyes are upon you. The Lord said to remind you of what he's told you in recent times. I watch over my word to perform it for you. That the promises of God are, yes, it's yours. You can have it. It's yours. It's been delayed but not denied. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. That spirit of discouragement, that heaviness, we strip off of you and away from you and cancel every evil assignment against you in Jesus' name. And everything that's been a hindrance, we, we speak to you, we address you in Jesus' name and say, loose, you're bound in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, for the promises of the Lord and the blessing of the Lord upon her that maketh rich and hath no sorrow. Somebody praise the Lord with her up there and down here. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's wonderful. Amen. He's wonderful. Everybody just bow your heads for a moment. Just bow your heads for a moment, just a moment. Close your eyes, please, nobody looking around. You're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ. Yeah, Satan's been after you too because of God's plan and God's purpose for your life. He's tried to destroy you. He's tried to kill you, but you're here today. At least one of you who's an unbeliever that needs to be saved today, you are a living witness. You're a testimony. You know of God's grace for you. The devil tried to kill you even by gunshot, but you're here today because God spared your life. you got to stop running from him. Run to him. He loves you. Receive his grace. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'll say, Pastor, please, I need Jesus in my life. Pray with me. Pray for me. I want to be saved. If that's you, I want you to just throw up that right hand. Hold it up high enough and long enough for me to see it. If you want prayer, you want to receive Christ today, just throw up that right hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. I think I see some hands even in the, in the mezzanine area. Did I see some hands here on the floor? Okay, those of you who raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to do one other thing because we want to serve you. It's not to put you uh, on the spot. We want to serve you. We want to bless you. I want you to leave where you're standing. and I want you to meet me at this altar and come as quickly as you are, wherever in the room you are. If you're in the mezzanine, just quickly make your way down. You who are in this in, in, on the main floor here and let's praise the Lord angels in heaven are rejoicing let's do the same as they come come on saints come on saints come on come on as they come as they come as they come in fact do the work of an evangelist talk to the person next to you and ask them do you need to go forward is your heart right with the Lord are you saved if they say yes that's your brother and sister if not, then say, I, I'll go with you. I'll, I'll extort you. won't even have to go alone. Come on, saints. Come on. Let, 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 them, let them hear. Let them hear the rejoicing. Come on, come on. That's it. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, that's it. Come on. Come on, I see the movement. Come on, that's it. Come on, saints. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, that's it. Come on. Salvation today for you. That's it. Come on. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Satan is after you. He wants you dead. But he's not going to win because of Christ. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. That's it, come on. Come on, they're coming, and I, I see they're hurrying, but let's be patient with them as they come. Come on, come on, come on. Let's continue. Let's bless them and praise the Lord. When Zion travails, she brings forth. That's it, come on, young man. That's it, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. He's reaching out to you, for you. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. Wonderful. That's it. That's it. Come on. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Come. Come, come, come. That's it. Come as you are. Come on. Come. Maybe you're a backslider. You've gotten off track. Today's the day to get, get home. Come home. Come on, come on, come on. That's it. Come, 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 come on, come on, come on. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. That's it, that's it. Come on, that's it. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, you know who you are. There's at least two more of you on this side that you need to join us here. Stop wrestling, stop wrestling. Today is the day of salvation. Come on, come on, just come on, come on, come on. Got nothing to lose but all the game. Nothing to lose but all the game. Oh my. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. I want you to just lift your hands in the presence of the Lord, and I want you who are in the audience to just lift your hands as well or extend your hands this way and pray with these as we lead them in prayer. God's ears are open and attentive to your cry. He will not reject you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what God said. He's not a liar. He speaks truth. His love for you is greater than I can say. Receive that love today. Let him come in. Let him have all of you. And he will take your life. And he will bless you beyond your imagination. 
You will be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things will be passed away. All things will be new. Church, help me pray with these. And I want you to pray this from your heart, dear ones. Say, dear God, I come in Jesus' name. I repent of my sins. I turn from this world and turn to you. I believe in my heart you raised Jesus from the dead. And with my mouth, I confess Jesus is Lord. Save me, Lord Jesus. Deliver me and fill me with your spirit. I receive the gift of salvation in Jesus' name. And I vow this day to live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, put those hands together once more and celebrate with these. Celebrate with these. Hallelujah. You're going to follow the instructions of the elders and, and the ministers. And there's a brother right here with a sweater. I think you're right. You're looking. Just would you lift up your hands before the Lord? There's such a great assignment that God has for you. You've been in many ways clueless as to that deeper thing. You've been actively engaged in some things, but that's, that's not really it. So you prepare to see the revelation of God concerning your life and what he has for you and the resources necessary to pull it off. He's going to give it to you in such, way that, in such a way that you're going to know it's him, absolutely him, and always give him the glory. There'll be attempts of the enemy to get you to go in another direction, but don't you do it. You stand firm in this newfound faith. 